Today, we're going to be talking about what the metaverse is and how an open collective can be used in the metaverse to make it better for us all. That's the subject of today's talk. And some of this audio, I've got to warn you, is not the highest quality. I apologize for that, but we're going to jump right into it. I thought I'd bring you guys in on this. You'll hear some music and you'll hear the voices of different people in our Discord. If you want to join us, go ahead and check out our Discord. I'll leave it in the show notes and you can join us and be part of a future recording. So without further ado, let's go right into it. So we see that there are three ways of social organization that are practiced, at least when it comes to building software right now. Uh, that is the company, uh, open source, and the open collective. And a way a company makes money is, well, it sells a product, right? And as it sells that product, you have a profit margin. That's what I've tried to represent here. Uh, you have a certain amount of a profit margin and you have the employer and the employee who compete to get that profit margin. And the employer, I'm putting the owners, investors, all of those into that uh, into that group here. So employer competes with employee to get a large percentage of the profits. Now this is the, you know, this is the expenses themselves. Sorry, that wasn't supposed to come off like that. But this is the expenses themselves and this is the profit. And so they're, they're both, these teams, these are groups of people competing for that, right? And we have here major advantages and disadvantages of you know these different ways of doing things but basically open source is this really uh, you know it's really great in many ways you can create some really robust software with open source uh the 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 values of it are great you're sharing with everybody it tends to be really secure because you can uh how do i say this you can see or how do i say this you know everybody can see the code right so everybody can see the code and therefore it's really secure um it's really generous. So you're going out there and you're doing stuff that is empowering people from around the world. So it's really awesome. And everybody in an open source community is equal. Um, so all of those are, you know, fantastic positives for open source and open source is really co collaborative. Um, so the next thing is usability. Um, this is the negatives for open source. So because people, uh, you know, build on open source to extend something, usually usability is pretty limited. And what you want to do is, well, um, typically the, the incentive when it comes to open source is if I want to develop something, I'm going to open this project and I'm going to customize it to my need, right? Like this program doesn't do what I need it to do. And so it leads to a whole lot of features and a whole lot of complexity and doesn't lead to a lot of simplicity. And because you don't have that same drive to get customers, sometimes you lose some of the benefits. That's one of the challenges with open source. Um, not everything in open source can be monetized. Some people have been really creative with this. I think uh, Mozilla Foundation or WordPress are some great examples of um, monetized open source, but there are limits, right? If everybody can publish what you're doing, uh, make a copy and publish, sometimes that's not gonna work for you. And uh, that can also be a, a problem for investment. So people take a pretty big risk with um, you know doing that. They have to have the free time in the first place. Uh, companies have been seen to sometimes embrace and extinguish, uh, extend and extinguish open source software, which is a problem in the industry where, well, you make something awesome and then somebody else commercializes it. And that, that's a challenge, you know, do you want to do you want to lose that opportunity? Uh, that's definitely uh, one of the the downsides of open source. 
Okay, so I just want to share really quick how open collectives are different than a traditional company. Uh, so one of the things is that everybody's working together in each other's interest. And because the open collective, the way at least we're, we're experimenting with open collectives, we only get paid or the collective only gets paid when it pays people. Therefore, the incentives of the collective are completely aligned with every other incentive out there, right? So let's say uh, Caesar here works for 10 hours and Bob works for 10 hours, right? Um, and the game makes $1,000. Then it would be split 500 each. However, they would set a preset donation percentage of a percent that would go back to the Open Collective to allow a future initiative to be created. And that's kind of the concept uh, that we have going here. So it allows you to work together on something you monetize. And the way we look at this is we've worked with a, a lawyer that has helped us understand how to how to work with this. You can't just go around the world and hire people from around the world. There's, there's tremendous legal complexities because of um, uh, entrenched interests as far as uh, labor laws and so forth in every different country. And you'd have to know all of that. And um, what instead we are doing what we're experimenting with is giving the open collective, the people of the open collective ownership over the product and then uh, splitting the royalty based on the investment of time that they have in the product. And so everything is split between everybody there. Um, that's kind of the idea. Uh, you have the benefit of security because it's a very large group of people. Uh, you have that it's value driven like uh, open source because typically people come to an open collective not for the immediate funds they can get out, uh, but for the benefit that they can give to society. Um, so you have a lot of different, uh, really great positives on open collectives, uh, but it's still quite unproven. That's what that's one of the theories we're trying to prove here uh, in this community is, um, you know, if uh, this is if this is doable or not, and uh, you know if this can scale. And the reason we're going about this, and this is really important, how it connects with the metaverse, right? We looked at you know, what about if we do a company? And our problem was this. If a company were to create a significant metaverse platform, that company would be obligated to pay back its investors and to put itself in a position where it's going to extract people's data. People's data is extremely valuable. And because it's very incentivized to pay back the investors and pay the owners, then it's going to definitely want to go down that route. And if we're going to create the future of human civilization, we need a model that puts people at the center. And we didn't find it in companies. Not that we have anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with running a company, absolutely whatsoever. Uh, but for the metaverse, because the metaverse will be most of our most intimate experiences will be in the metaverse, uh, we felt that a company was not the way to go. We looked at open source and we thought, well, there's a problem here because if we uh, you know, collaborate and do something awesome together, uh, we might end up in a situation where a company just takes all the code and runs off with it. And that's a no-win situation for us also. Um, so how do we do something that is all for and by the people that puts the people in charge? And that's why we're looking at open collectives. That's why we're saying we can work together to create something bigger than ourselves. And, um, you know, we can still profit from that because people do need to be paid. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we can, how do I say this, put people at the center. Everybody is helping create the world that they live in and everybody is being rewarded through helping create the world that they live in. And so that's that's the fundamental idea. But I'm going off on a long spiel here. If anybody want, has a thought or a question, jump in. Yeah, I, hey, Samuel. I oh, yeah. Go ahead. Jump in. Sorry, Canada. 
Um, really quick, I, I love the idea of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I'm aspiring to create, but cool. I'm, I'm curious how you handle when people put some investment time in and then they leave and they still expect the outcome of of uh, the finished product and, and all the benefits that come with, you know, being part of the community, even though they didn't put in, you know, half as much work that they said that they would, or even a, a quarter of what they said they would. That's a great question. So uh, to run an open collective requires an enormous amount of organization. And so uh, one of the things I put here on open collective uh, is that leaders are unrecognized. And this is one of the challenges we face because to run an open collective, it's not like a DAO and that it's not very democratic. You actually have to do things in there. There's a tremendous effort to organize it from the center and how we do everything. Uh, I'll show a Trello here is we have everything we do on a board, everything we do tracked, everything we do recorded. And so we have a um, we have a document with every single contribution proof that they did that contribution, how long it took them to make that contribution. So I'll give you an example of Uble here who, who led a meeting. Uh, this meeting has a preset uh, 0.75 hours set. So if you do the task, you get that amount because we already know a meeting is gonna be so long. But typically a task is gonna have proof via desk time or via activity watch where it actually proves the amount of time. And since we're not paying people up front, people are paid via the product that is produced um, the thing is that, you know, we're able to split it. So here you can see here, somebody would take a screenshot of the amount of time they spent in Discord, for example, with leading this meeting. I will put this meeting as part of evidence of running an open collective. And I will use this instance, which is Discord, as my evidence of that. So everybody is proving their work. Now, there's a really important thing about what you said, because there are a certain amount of people who just come and go, right? And um, we actually deal with that in an interesting way. And I'll actually bring up, uh, we have another mural that talks about that very thing. Let's see here. Brainstorm organized finance. So you'll see that rather than imposing a financial idea on people, we actually innovate and iterate on it, right? So things that are going well, things that are going badly, um, you know, are action steps. You're, you're actually seeing us think about how we um, how we address these issues, uh, labor control, capital responsibility. Um, and then we came up with this. This is our current iteration. And that is that not everybody joins the royalty program right away. So after after about a month of being on the project, you apply for the royalty program and then you get it on the royalty program. And every month that profits are made, this talks about income minus expenses, those expenses preset as to what they're allowed and who votes on those expenses. And then the actual amount and then the hours calculated. Uh, this is the amount of time worked and this is the accounts that increase and then there's a payout at the end of it. So that's, that's a long answer to your question is that because we track people's actual contribution and not their theoretical contribution, we don't have that problem. But that means we don't ask for capital up front. The capital is the labor, essentially. And that's the sacrifice people take. You can say it's, it's sweat labor. It's Yeah, it's sweat equity. That's... that's sweat uh, equity, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I was just uh, curious about the open in open collective. Mm -hmm. um, 
there were some interesting studies uh, that Google did around teams and how to get teams to work well together. And they, they found it very difficult, in fact, to find a formula for, um, you know, how to make an awesome team. Um, oh, yeah. There's certain, you know, there's personality things between groups of people and there's, you know, some people play good leadership roles. Some people are good worker bees. There's like a whole bunch of dynamics in there that's very difficult to quantify. Definitely. And definitely. Um, one of the things that... Um, Maybe I, I don't know if it, it it's just a curiosity point at this point. I'm not scared mm. of it per se, but uh, I, I'm curious about how an open collective, if it means anyone can join, how does that impact uh, the quality of the work experience in groups? Uh, does that make sense? Yes, it does. This is uh, so uh, one of the reasons it has in any way been possible is because. Uh, we have a fantastic mentor in Corey. So we have an amazing coach who helps build teams in companies, and that's what he specializes in. He believed in us before anybody else did. And if he didn't come to literally save us when we were at, at the bottom level, it, nothing would have worked at all. Now, that said, we haven't, you know, fully cracked the code yet. We're barely trying to implement all of the amazing advice he's given us. So uh, one of the uh, challenges when it comes to teamwork with a remote team is times. So we focus on one time zone right now. We, we hope to extend to a second uh, daily meeting so that we have, we have that. Um, but we do find that there's an enormous benefit when there's no tension and contention. So, um, because an open collective has the benefit of of driving in people who want to do it for the sake of doing it those people glue to each other better than people who are aggressive uh now we all have our types and that's all good in fact uh you know i face some health challenges but by nature i'm actually a very aggressive person uh, believe it or not uh that that sounds odd but uh you know you you have different types you need for everything but we tend to to draw in very rested types and those very rested types glue together well they make good teams together they they tend to solve problems well together uh the other thing is i, I really think that it's essential that a community is surrounded by values and when we talk about our values, we put people first, it's in our name. Um, and I think that's really helped too. Now, the effectivity of teams, a lot of stuff still happens where, for example, uh, Ublinex here, he'll he'll work on a feature and somebody else will opt to review it. We have no problem with that. We're trying to get to the point where every task is done by two people. We want to have that for the reason of better code, better mentorship experience for everybody that's part of it because it's an open collective and that's really important um how to do that on a volunteer team is exactly what we're trying to figure out right now and crack so it's it's a process we're learning still yeah i was just saying uh, companies have a clear hiring and firing story you know there's a manager in charge they did the hiring if the, if it doesn't work out then they fire um, what does an open collective do uh if uh you know if somebody isn't working out how, how do you say like i'm sorry this isn't working out we'd like you to go somewhere else <laughs> yeah and that that that's definitely a challenge to the idea of an open collective we we are in a privileged position where that's been extremely rare for us and um that's been really we're really thankful for that now but we have had that because we we have so many people coming in uh there's something like 180 people now altogether. let me actually check the updated number uh 100, 153 are um are more it's more related to the activity there so 153 so um 
you know, looking at that, when we've had that in the past, up to this point, it's been me going to those people and saying something doesn't work out. You know, something's not working out for us. Now, how we see this is that we're going to be choosy concerning people that are clocking time. Um, so if you are doing what you're doing on the clock, then we're going to be pretty choosy about it. But for us, um, we don't have an issue with people learning and we just will change the environment they're learning in. Learn over here, learn with a separate scene, uh, learn in this way. But if you have an attitude problem, I guess that's where we have a open collective hits a wall kind of thing. We have so we're diverse and we have many places that you can flourish, but if you have a bad attitude, then that no longer works and that is the there there is a difference between an open source and an open collective in that way is we can say bye to those kind of people. And I think it would be ideal to make that process democratic. We're a little too small for that at this point, uh, but uh, we we definitely should go that way. Shouldn't you start with that first instead of grow into it? Uh, with with a democratic process, uh, typically. Uh, so I've had some wonderful opportunities to test out democratic processes. In fact, uh, P1, which is a gaming community of which this arose, was an entirely democratic process at the start. But there's a there's a problem with democracy when it comes to not dividing something which already exists. So when you have a government. That government is there to look at the different stakeholders and to say, you're a stakeholder and you're a stakeholder. Let's make sure you agree, right? And we need a democratic process around how people agree. But fundamentally, um, when you look at something that is being created, um, you don't. Uh, democracy is good at dividing power that exists, but we haven't come up as human beings with a model that uh, incentivizes people to create and then dividing up what they create. So unless you have something to divide, you don't want democracy, you want efficiency. And that's where companies are really great at making those decisions. Um, and um, yeah, democracy is about dividing up and uh, equitably dividing up something that you have. But if you have nothing in the first place, uh, then you can't divide it, essentially. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a different, it's a, this is a different paradigm. And I think we will try and we will try and reset on many different levels uh, because we did have a long democracy experiment for more than a year in um, the gaming side of things. And what we found is that um, you, you have people that are of the entrenched interest defending their entrenched interests rather than expanding to a new audience. And that's not a good recipe for success. And that's what democracy will generally lead to. And I'm assuming when you talk about democracy, you talk about not, uh, well, there's democracy of the kind where you get like us versus them democracy. Democracy has been proven not to work. We don't live in democracies. We live in republics. It's a whole, that's a whole argument to, to get into. But um, uh, I, I'm thinking about a Republican solution to that problem. I'm, don't, don't get confused with the United States thing. That's totally different. A Republican solution to the problem means there are laws and there's a goal. And still, I don't think there's been a model invented yet to talk about how people organize together to create something bigger than themselves that moves forward um, and has complete equality. I think maybe open source is that to some degree, but still in open source you need, typically you have somebody working for a few years themselves before you have anybody extending what's there, you know?
I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to be part of a future episode, check out the Discord in the show notes. OCEM.cc slash contribute is a great way to be part of this. Uh, you can contribute as a mentor. You can contribute in a variety of different ways as a participant uh, or as a donor. Uh, there's so many ways you can be part of what's going on here. We would love to have your help uh, in keeping the metaverse free. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.